So formal introductions here. Ashlyn, I don't know if you've met Julie. Um, Julie, Julie, this is Ashlyn, great friend of mine, uh, has been for a long, long time. Oh, man, 2003 maybe? Yeah. I don't know, it was around like 2006 where we were lovers for a short time. And then, <laughs> um, we had a little time off in between. Yeah, friends no. again. Friends again. More, more than friends, less than lovers. Um, yeah, I get it. Um, Lauren, Julie, Julie, uh, I've known since 2012, I guess, when I moved here, right? Uh, yeah, I was at your wedding. You were at my wedding? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I had no idea you were at my wedding. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much for coming to my wedding. It's so, it's so kind of you. Oh man, you're such a good friend, like, well, of the future. I didn't know you were then. Um, Lauren, I met you. I know. Um, Lauren, I've known you, I guess about the same time as, yeah, well, I mean, I guess a a little bit longer. That was a cat, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get nothing done in this podcast. Hey friends, welcome to the Mark Explains the Universe podcast. And I am your host, Mark. I just want to thank you so much for listening in today. And today we have such an incredible episode for you all called The Uncensored Christian. Uh, But before we get into that, I just want to say thank you so much for listening again. And if you haven't heard uh, any of the other episodes yet, make sure you go back and listen. This is good stuff. I've had so much fun talking with some of the most interesting people I have ever met. Uh, We talk about mountains and rivers and epistemology and what to do when everything falls apart and space and Einsteinian relativity and science and so much more. You've got to dive in. So if you haven't yet, head on over to either iTunes or Podbean or wherever you're listening to this exact podcast and search Mark Explains, uh, and that's with an S on the end of it, and subscribe to those bi-weekly podcasts. They come out every other Tuesday, and they will even be out early enough uh, to listen to them on your way into work if you uh, wake up early and head in. Uh, so make sure and do that. Now, if you're a person who misses the community that church once provided, but no longer feel like you're comfortable walking into an, an establishment on a Sunday morning, I have created a Facebook page. It is facebook.com slash Mark Explains Podcast, all one word. Uh, and this is a safe environment. If you want to come on and ask questions uh, for other listeners, uh, or maybe just uh, send some love into the Facebook universe, which we all know that is desperately needed, please do so. Um, I also have an Instagram, which keeps uh, all of you updated on when new podcasts are released, as well as I will be sharing some new and fun content here in the near future, um, some related to science and some related to faith, all dope AF. So make sure uh, to head on over to Facebook or Instagram and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Podbean. So today I get the chance to talk to three amazing humans, people that I get to call 
more than friends. These these people are so incredible, and I really don't want to take away from these stories at all. So I will let them introduce themselves, and I just I'm just so humbled that they wanted to share all that they did here in in, in these podcasts. Uh, there are four stories, and it's going to be told in two parts. We're going to make a part one and part two of this uncensored Christian podcast. Uh, part one dives into Ashlyn and Lauren. Uh, and then part two dives into Julie's story and then into my story. And uh, these are four incredibly different stories with a common thread. And I am confident you're going to love hearing these stories of love and life. And again, thanks for listening to the Mark Explains podcast. Uh, enjoy. So we're talking to Lauren Kuyper. Uh, Lauren, hold on. I'm going to pull up. The little thing uh, that you requested um, of how to be introduced. Um, Lauren is an avid kickball player um, and aspiring nurse practitioner uh, and a great friend of mine. You've been uh, around since like 2003, maybe 2002. Sure. Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. A minute. A minute. Uh, And we have... Ashlyn Blythe, uh, also um, a great friend of mine, uh, former pastor, and just uh, I, I guess just now a, a family a family guy like Peter Griffin, just <laughs> just yes. a, a just a a good family guy, um, and then also we have with us um, Julie Sodeman, Julie Lynn who has been such a great friend of mine uh, since about 2012. Uh, Really interesting friend. Um, I used to be married formerly, uh, and so did Julie. And uh, we were married friends, and then both of our marriages (laughs) fell apart. Sorry, this isn't funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. And then we remained friends through this, and (laughs) our spouses did did not, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, but but they're amazing. Well, well, uh, Juju's amazing. Juju's amazing. Juju's amazing. If you're listening, Juju, we love you. You're awesome. Um, we do. But we got a <laughs> uh, we have a really interesting uh, kind of group of people here, um, and uh, I really want to start this out by asking a question that's been on my mind for a long, long time. So if you guys can really. Um, just dig deep and uh, answer just as honest as you can. Um, would you rather have pubes as teeth or teeth <laughs> teeth as pubes? Uh, <laughs> pubes as teeth. You want you, so you'd rather have just like a a, a mouthful uh. of pubes. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's better than like never being able to have sexual relations because you have teeth. You think down. you think you would ever get to that point having <laughs> <laughs> with says teeth? Yeah, I feel like I don't know, not to disagree, but I feel like I could maybe hide it a little better if it were the uh... just a, <laughs> like a full, like a full set of chompers, <laughs> all thirty-two. <laughs> 100% teeth is pubes. <laughs> I've actually thought about this for a long time. Oh, it's, man. There's um, no other way. There's no other way. You know, I, no, I think I, I like to 
eat meat and other things. And, you know, I just can't imagine that's possible with, with Puget's teeth. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like the idea of having two full set, two full sets of teeth. You know, if, if you one knocks out, I, I you could probably transplant, transplant. Oh, man, it's disgusting. <laughs> Mark. Lower set to upper set. You've put way too much thought into this. I wanted to get started. I wanted to actually to uh, talk to Ashlyn a little bit. And um, Ashlyn, you have such a unique story because I think I was raised pretty Christian, and I think Lauren, you were also raised raised uh, yeah. religious. Um, and I know that Julie was raised in kind of a religious con- context as well, um, at least in some capacity at a certain age, um, pretty young. Uh, but Ashlyn has kind of an interesting story because kind of at the genesis of his re- religious faith construct that he has now, well, that he, I would I should say that he formerly had, uh, it's kind of evolved into something new uh, that we're going to kind of go over. But I was there. I was right at the beginning of it. I think, Lauren, you were kind of around. Um, you were. Yeah, for sure. You were kind of around for, for the beginning of Ashlyn. I was there Ashlyn. at the beginning. Yeah, because. And I... then you two. <laughs> <No, I'm kidding. laughs> um, yeah. Um, I was in that area for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Bellevue, Michigan. Oh, man. I hope somebody from Bellevue listens to this podcast. Chances are very slim. Chances are <laughs> very slim. All 17 people that are there, you know. There are probably people who are curious, uh, you know, about about where I'm at and where you're at, Mark. And where, I mean, I think yeah. if there's a podcast out there and it gets shared in any way, I mean, I think there are probably a lot of people in Bellevue that are going to, you know, where I would imagine yeah. would be fascinated by whatever it is we're about to talk about. So, so yeah. tell me a little bit about what, um, what was it that kind of drew you in at first, Ashton? I mean, because like you weren't a really, you didn't raise, you weren't really raised, uh, you weren't really raised religious or Christian. Um, I remember kind of introducing it to you and you kind of took off with it. Like, uh, tell me a little bit about what that was like. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, up to that point, that was that was around uh, 16 or 17 years old, I think, somewhere in there. Um, I, uh, I was just kind of a troubled kid, just a troubled youth. Uh, my my dad had left when I was really young, and so um, was kind of just trying to do life uh, with a single mom and and me. And I was really angry. You know, I was really frustrated about a lot of things. And um, when when I kind of got pulled into the BCC circle, right? The, the Bellevue Christian Center uh, circle of people. The thing that I found there um, that really drew me and that kept me and I think brought me into faith was community. Uh, and that, that's kind of a theme that I keep thinking about, you know, whether it's that origin story of how I uh, came into faith or, you uh, how I progressed and, you know, went to master's commission and, and the community there. And then how I eventually kind of deconstructed in my faith was the result of some uh, toxic community. Uh, what was master's first. commission like for you? I mean, because like, how long, how long had you been a Christian? Cause this is like 2003 going 2004. Like how long were you a self-proclaimed Christian before you went now master's commission is like this intense discipleship Bible school that kind of creates a, a bubble of a culture that 
is and can be helpful in some ways and also creates different uh, situations and circumstances that can be unhealthy in other ways. Um, so, like, what was that like for you, Ashlyn, going? I mean, you're like, what, basically a year in, you're in your infancy. Like a year, year and a half, to, you know, in that neighborhood. What was um, it? What was that like going, being like propelled and thrown into an extreme religious, you know, construct? I, you know, I, you know, to me, to me, Mark, though, the, the whole thing, you know, coming into Christianity the way I did it, it was always extreme, right? Mm-hmm. It, it started extreme, um, you know, and, and so going into master's commission, it, I felt like it was the, just the most natural thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to do Christianity, I'm going to do it as intense as I possibly can. Uh, and, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do whatever I can to be the best at that. And, you know, because it, like I said, it was for me about community coming into the church and coming into um, faith uh, was really about being accepted by that group of people. And, you know, really the first time in my life, I really felt like I was right. I was in a circle of people and a group of people that I could tell loved me. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think that, you know, there was nothing ingenuine about that. I really felt, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. authentically loved and, and cared for, um, by a lot of people. And that was a really powerful influence. Um, it just made sense that I'm going to do, you know, the next, thing which it just wasn't it was like it was an expectation you know it was like it's just what I'm gonna do what I have to do so you go to masters and I don't like I don't know that there's an easy or quick way to describe it you know you did a good job you summed it up but it's um it's completely you know it takes what you expect young adult life to be like and turns that upside down Hmm. Um, you are crammed in uh, a bedroom with three other dudes uh, you share everything, you, you know, you eat together, you sleep together. Um, it's, I think for people who aren't Christians or who have never experienced something like that, it's, it's what I expect a rehab might be like, like in lifestyle. It's, it's very much like, like that you're, you spend every waking moment with the same people and you go from thing to thing. And it's all about for me, stripping away things that, that, uh, didn't belong in my life and trying to build on things, uh, and create things, which being a year and a half into, uh, being a Christian wasn't really the right healthy thing to do, uh, at 16 years old. You know, I think that, um, in retrospect, there were probably, it, it was a lot of time that I, I, I don't know if I wasted, um, but it just wasn't, it wasn't the right thing, you know, you know, looking back in retrospect, it, I had, I hadn't built a foundation, uh, in years, right. I hadn't, I hadn't built that foundation to, to go and try to do something like that yet. Hmm. So you got out of master's commission, you did one year, two years, you did. I did a year and then took a year off and then went back for a year. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. Yep. And then you came back to Michigan and became a pastor like, well, yeah. what was that transition like going from an intense discipleship environment back into reality? Like, can you explain that a little bit? Well, first, and I think importantly, before I came back, I I, I turned into a drunk. <laughs> like, I, like I was 21 years old. And yeah, uh, <laughs> we're all cheersing you right now. As <laughs> yeah, that's I, being um, said. I lived really high. I took a year off in Florida uh, and, and basically 
um, it was just an, you know, a really, uh, self-destructive time where I just, just made a lot of bad decisions and, and, um, and then, uh, made my way back to Michigan to, mm. uh, to work in the church and, and, there's a lot of lot of little things that kind of happened in between, um, but but I you know felt called to come home to my home church and serve uh, for the first six months or eight months. Um, Paul was still the the youth pastor there, and I was uh, I was just the worship leader basically of the church and and just served in that capacity and um, did whatever. I could possibly do to, to fill in holes and just, just serve the church. Um, and then that, uh, eventually Paul moved on and, and that led to me being the, the youth pastor, uh, of the church. The functioning role was more like associate pastor. So and produce Sunday morning services and obviously led the youth group. And, you know, I did three or four worship services every week. And, and so that was kind of what I did there. So you did, you kind of turned into the everything guy. Yeah. Yep. How long did he do that for? Um, maybe two and a half, three years, okay. maybe four. I, I really don't, probably 2009 to 12, so three years. Basically, you did it until I moved back to Michigan. Yeah, because I, I moved back in 2012. Yeah, yeah. You were there for a little while. You, you came to some youth services, I think. I did. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. And then you met Jessica. Yeah. So I met my um, my beautiful wife. Uh, she she visited church, and I actually thought at first um, I thought she was like a student. Like she she looked really young, and so I invited her to youth group, and so we joke about that. <laughs> uh, um, so I met Jessica, and, and hey, you know, we there's we, common there's, there's kind of a common theme with that at that church, so it's it's all good, man. <laughs> uh, there's some history there. <laughs> oh, it's awkward, and we love 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 everyone at that church. There's nothing wrong with that. And yes, yes, absolutely. We make fun, but we love. Go on. Arranged, arranged marriage really does have benefits, you know. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, Paul, I love you. You know I do. Yeah. So I, uh, I I meet Jessica, and um, and at that time, you know, there was a lot of pressure when you're like you're a pastor in a church and you're a single guy um, to to do that really right like there's a right way to date someone when you're uh you know a pastor all the eyes are on you everyone's kind of watching to see how you handle this relationship and is this um you know healthy and good and um and that was a lot to handle like that was you know for her i don't i don't know um for both of us like it was really challenging sometimes to to deal with that Mm. um the relationship started to really grow and, and get serious. And, um, and I had a conversation with, um, with my pastor and with another presbyter in the, in the assemblies of God district. Um, at this, at this time I was basically working toward credentials and, uh, you know, the classes and the, there's a lot of, um, interviews and things like that in the credentialing process. And I was kind of told, 
uh, that I couldn't continue to pursue credentials and marry Jessica because she had had a divorce. Um, which to me uh, was was really really challenging to hear. Um, so according to the Assemblies of God credential process, if you want to become a pastor, there are a list of adherencies that you have to agree to. And mm-hmm. one of those being you cannot marry a formerly divorced individual. Yeah. And the, you know, and I couldn't wow. even quote for you the, the scripture that they come up with to, to justify <laughs> that, but it's, you know, it's something along the lines of somehow it's sinful, um, you know, to be married to someone who had had a divorce, which, you know, for me, so I, you know, I came into this faith and as someone who was a really broken individual hmm. and spent, spent all these years up to that point, worshiping and singing and now preaching about the love of a God who, you know, which is just complete, complete forgiveness and grace. And, and to hear that, it, it really just it challenged me to think that this organization and, you know, is really they're saying God doesn't want you to be a pastor if that's the choice mm. you make, um, you know, which didn't make sense according to what I had believed and, and taught and, and sang about uh, for all those years. So I, I couldn't reconcile that. So mm. um, that I think was really the origin of, of where I really started to push back and challenge and, and rethink some of the things that I had always believed up to that point about God and about the Bible and about that community, the toxicity in that community um, was what really began that process. For mm. me. So since, since that all has kind of uh, unfolded and it's been a few years now, um, you six years, I think six years, you did get married. I did happily. <laughs> uh, and I I think I was there possibly. I was I was actually I was really sick. I I was I went to, I don't even know if I ever told you. I went to the urgent care immediately after your wedding. I didn't know that. Yeah. I had like I had like bronchitis. I had made you sing. Oh yeah, right? I had bronchitis. <laughs> yeah, I had I had bronchitis and you made me sing. I'm not even joking. Yep. And, wow. Um, but it was it was worth it because I spit as much as I could all over that microphone, and uh, <laughs> because God's a healing God. <laughs> over the years, that same microphone, I probably there's at least a gallon of my saliva. <laughs> oh my God! And you ingested all. Oh, that. I did. <laughs> Which is wow. why we're more than friends. <laughs> and, and less than lovers. <laughs> um, so since then, you have gotten married, and uh, you have a, a beautiful young little man, little minion running around, mm-hmm. and uh, little David. He's such a cool little dude. Um, love seeing your little Facebook post, by the way. Keep keep that going because it's it's awesome seeing your life kind of unfold post evangelical. Christian life, like a lot of people don't realize that there is a healthy, loving life after uh, a religious institution and ideologies. Um, and uh, so you've kind of, I mean, 
for me, I would call mine a complete and utter deconstruction. Uh, my entire life and faith fell apart to pieces. Yours wasn't so much like that. Um, so, I mean, if you were to, if you were to explain just kind of briefly these past couple of years, like what does it look like for you? Like, like what does your faith look like now compared to then? Yeah, that's a that's a challenging question, Mark. And you know, it's not something that I think I've explored as much as I should have the last few years. What I would say is that, um, you know, I still have a faith that I that I love hmm. and that is beautiful. That you know, I I um, I believe I believe that God uh, has encountered me, and and I can't. I can't just walk away from that. You know, I, I still believe that that was very real. I just think that um, what people have done uh, to, to the idea of him and, and mm-hmm. the institutions surrounding him and, you know, even the, even the Bible, which was, you know, essentially put together uh, and constructed by men, I th- think that a, a lot of that just can't be right hmm. because it because just like that moment when I was told that I can't marry this beautiful loving person who's full of God's forgiveness and grace hmm. just like that moment yeah. I can't believe yeah. that that some of what this this culture and this community and this book say uh, hmm. and it, it really is not the God that I know and and that I've met hmm. and so I don't know what to call this faith anymore. You know, I don't, I know that I'm not an evangelical, whatever Mm -hmm. definition we can put together for that is, you know, what I was, I am not anymore. Um, So let me ask you this then. Are you a Christian? I think so. (laughs) I don't know. I think that there may be people who listen to this who would say, absolutely not. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I think that I've encountered I've encountered God and and whether I call that Jesus, you know what? I I don't know. So what's your life ethos then? I mean, if you don't have Christianity, which I deeply believed, if you had a faith, that's having the faith based religion as the center of your life is the reason why you're making this life of it. And the reason why you're making this world a better place. If you don't have that, like you used to, what is your central life ethos then? Can you make this world a better place without a religion? Yeah. Community and empathy. You know, I think that, I think that God is empathetic and I think that God is community. And, you know, the, the community that I had when I came into faith and when I, you know, grew in the faith through Master's Commission and when I, was a a pastor and some of the toxicity of that community that was all around me and now God is in the the community that I have in in my family and in my wife and in my son and then the people that I interact with the neighbors that we spend time with and the um, employees that I work with you know that that community um, is where I think we find God it's where I do and and it's where uh, if we're empathetic and, and if we're people who try to understand each other and, and, and the differences that we have, I think that that's, that kind of love is, is the love of the God that I encountered.
So, Lauren, are you a Christian? Oh, wow. <laughs> Starting with a bang, Mark. <laughs> Lauren, you, you have this. As everybody else cheers. <laughs> no, I... I threw up my arms in in solidarity. Like I hate this Mark question. I know he's such oh, a jerk. Gosh. No. What, what the f? Oh, Mark. Um, so you have this man. diverse background of Christianity and religious ethnocentrism, and you are slamming wine as I am asking this question to you. <laughs> Little known fact. Uh, Lauren, Lauren and I were neighbors when we were kids. We used oh. to play basketball together. So yeah, you and Lauren had go further back than anybody here. Mm, true. Maybe I'm old. <sighs> yeah. Uh, we are yeah. all old. So, I mean, if I were to ask you, actually, let, let me just ask you. Because this should be a pretty easy question for somebody that grew up in the faith. But you, you know, know good not. old BCC. <laughs> let's let's just let's ask you, Lauren. Do you love Jesus? Are you going yeah. to heaven? <laughs> Man, that is. Um, if I were to be completely honest, and I'm going to be real honest because I've had enough wine finally to like get to that point. That's um, why I waited <laughs> for your questions last because I knew. Don't worry, don't worry, Ashlyn and Julie. It's coming back around. We're going to get some honesty. Really? Can I? Should I get a refill then? Oh, I yes. I oh yeah. Use, I don't know if I can like handle any more podcasting. Here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she's she's okay. gonna pour them <laughs> from the box into your glass. That is so. Beautiful. Yeah, can you please help oh, me? Because mine's in the kitchen. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so great. So, so Lauren, are you a Christian? Man, um, I think um, I want to echo words that have already been said and say <sighs> that's just a tough word. I think because of the process that I've gone through in the past 15 years, hmm. um, <clears throat> which seems like a really long time and I feel old now, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I believe that there is an amazing God out there that created me for a purpose. Um, and the teachings of Jesus in the Bible are um, pretty stunning. And I am in the process of, I don't know, trying to uh, figure out where I fit in with all of that hmm. in between. Hmm. Yeah. So I need to tell you a confession Okay. And then we'll and then I want to ask you a little <laughs> bit about your story. Um, I don't know if you know this. Actually, I'm confident you do not. Um, I believe Paul at one point tried to get me to ask you out. <laughs> Paul Silvis. Paul Silvis. I'm calling you out, dude, because I know you're going to eventually hear this podcast. Oh, and I, I like, <laughs> Paul is so great. I love that guy. Um, I love it too. Um, I'm pretty sure at one point, pretty early on <laughs> in your story, <laughs> um, 
and he was I he was just like you know like Lauren's in your age range and you know she's it, you, I think you were already at Masters and I was planning on going and he was like you know she'll be a second year um, but you should you know you should just just think about you know your future your future and 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 I I was like uh huh yeah 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 no that's that's great I mean because like you listen to words of your authority figures you know like you listen so I like I took that seriously. So with that said, <laughs> and Mark, for the record, you would have been a great catch. Thank I'm you. I'm not laughing at that. I love you, man. Thank you, I've Lauren. I've talked to you honestly in probably over ten years, which is crazy, but just know I love you. Oh, so much love for you, cares. Lauren. Thank you so much. That means <laughs> a lot. I have a chance. I have a chance somewhere out there. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. One in a million. <laughs> I'm rolling the dice. All right, dude, Lauren, tell me a little bit about why your story is unique um, and why there's solidarity here. Because, I mean, we all kind of come from different places here. So, I mean, why don't you take it back a little further? Why don't you take take me back to, like, mid-childhood um, briefly and then kind of go into, like, what Masters was like um, and tell yeah. me a little, bit about, a little bit about your family and, like, uh, tell me all about that. Um, I want to first start out by saying I love my family. Um, I am grateful for my upbringing and I was raised homeschooled, um, which most people can notice right away. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've come to accept oh. that and be okay with that. Oh, if, um, if Katie Sheffer McCary ever <laughs> listens to this, oh, mac and cheese, Katie Sheff. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my mom was a teacher and my dad homeschooled us. And my dad is a teacher. He is a man who is well studied hmm. um, in the Bible. And um, just really he's researched all all things, um, a lot of different religious backgrounds. And so he taught us. And I grew up with this sense of um, security in just knowing Knowing um, who I was and what was black and white, and um, if I didn't know, my dad would know. And um, again, Dad, if you're listening, I still very much love that. But um, you know, there's a point where um, I came, I was old enough, and I started to question a lot of things, and. Um, just to throw that out there right away, because this is where it's going to go. Um, I knew that I was attracted to women from probably the age of 14 or earlier. And that didn't fit real well uh, mm. in any other part of um, what I was raised in. So you, and, knew, so you knew at a pretty young age then. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I fell in love with my best friend in high school. Huh. Um, and <laughs> I was seen as the person who was, uh, who just had their head on straight and wasn't chasing after guys in high school. Hmm. But I knew, I knew better than that. I knew that there was, there was something else happening. So, um, yeah, I was raised, I think with, with expectations. Um, who all knew? I mean, like 14, I mean, I can imagine you probably didn't say much to your family no. <laughs> yeah nothing um nobody knew nobody knew until it was probably 
Oh, until I was 26 years old. So we're talking from 14 to 26. Hmm. Um, this, wow. this was just deep within me. So, um, yeah, talk about a battle hmm. for a very long time. Can I, can I ask a question, Lauren? Did, did you believe at that point, so you're 14 years old? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. You were 14. Did you think that it was, did you buy like the prepackaged Christian concept that this is a choice that you're, that you're making, you know, because it, up to that point you'd lived your whole life, you know, I, in this family, you had this Christian homeschool upbringing, um, you have these expectations and, and, you know, so, so did you think like, yeah, this is, you know, I believe in everything that I've been told. So this must be a bad choice that I'm making or being led by some evil force to make, or did you see this as, no, this is just me. This is just how I am. And then how did you kind of reconcile that with what yeah. your family believed and what your family told you? Sure. Um, I thought I was crazy. Uh, <laughs> I, I pushed it away for a very long time. I'm really good at compartmentalizing. Mm. Let me tell you real good. I have 800 compartments, uh, that I keep things in <laughs> and I'm still digging those out. But, mm. um, yeah, I I think I, I just continued to push it away and it would continue to um, kind of blast me in the face and say, you know, this is a reality. Everybody else in my uh, high school class was uh, just head over heels in love with, you know, all the girls were in love with some other guy. And I was like, well, that's not really a thing for me. So, you know, I must be just I'm I'm uh not that I thought I was above anything, but I thought I was just saving myself and, you know, gonna, gonna wait till later on in life. And, um, I liked that facade because there was so much that was, um, expected of me in that area. And Ashton, like you talked about just, um, just the, the requirements of doing things in the right order and the right way. And, and, um, everybody watching you so closely that you felt like you had this magnifying glass staring you right in the face. And, um, so I didn't have any problem with, uh, dating boys in high school. <laughs> um, <laughs> you did a great job I did a great on that job. front. You did. Yeah. Yeah. So like how long was it after high school before you went to master's commission? Uh, I graduated at 17, uh, and showed up in Fort Myers, Florida, um, a month before my 18th birthday. And I, uh, truth be told, followed my, uh, the first person that I ever fell in love with to master's commission. Um, and we didn't end up even being super close while we were there because we both had our, um, own process we had to go through, but, um, once I got to master's commission, I fervently and deeply and just cried many tears of wanting to, uh, wow, I'm going to actually say this, pray the gay away. I, it, it terrified wow. me. I didn't want it. I didn't want anything to do with it. And I can say that for 10 years straight, I wanted to be anything but and I begged God to take it from me. And um, uh, you can imagine the, <laughs> uh, wow, so I've probably had enough wine, and I'm just going to say this, the mind fuck of 
dealing with that on a daily basis for that long. And, um, anyway, I, uh, I finally decided that I was, you know, after master's commission and I had gone back into the real world again and exited the bubble and realized the bubble, um, realized that I was only punishing myself Hmm. and, you know, there's, um, there's some beauty in just letting go and actually feeling um, all of who you are and just taking in what's actually happening. And I'm, I'm really good at not doing that. So, Mm. yeah. So was there anyone at master's commission that knew any of this that did, did you, (laughs) an ISI leader or gosh, for those ISI is, I think there's, there's a, verse in psalms or is it proverbs i oh man i'm this is bad i don't even remember but it's it says as iron sharpens iron so one man will sharpen another so we created these groups of Mm -hmm. iron sharpens iron and we call them isi groups issy groups (laughs) and issy (laughs) and um we were supposed to be we were encouraged to be uh honest with all of our struggles yeah and yeah, to be open and honest, and I couldn't even do it then to be so, so, to so, be open and honest. <laughs> so no one knew. No, no one knew. No one knew for a very, very long time because wow. of the the absolute fear and terror that I just i I could not say it out loud. I knew it very well, but I couldn't say it out loud. So you That's such a long time. I'm just man besides myself with how long that was. That's okay. Yeah, she's for those that you Julie, Julie's getting more wine. <laughs> well, I'm joining. I'm, so, I'm joining yes, her because you, I am three glasses in right now. So I'm just so I'm sweating <laughs> thinking about Mark coming asking me more questions. Literally, I'm sweating. I think so. I just decided I should have wine instead. Thank you. You're Love welcome. It. Solidarity. Solidarity. Yes. So you went through masters. With, I I can't, I mean, like the the issues that I dealt with in masters were a lot, I mean, in a sense, a lot like the issues that you probably dealt with, but I never tried to dig deep like you did. See, like in a sense, like you were saying, you at, like you were asking God to take this away from you. Like I think of the deep rooted issues that I had, I never even touched those. I was just asking God to take away my love for porn. I mean, (laughs) that's really, that's really all, that's really all I, you know, that was, that was my, my deep, dark secret was I, you know, would just look at porn and I would say, you know, nowadays I don't, don't don't exactly struggle with masturbation. That's good. That's good, man. <laughs> Ashlyn liked that one. Yeah. <laughs> He's quietly chuckling in the background. Oh, I love it. You know, it's a healthy thing. You know, I'll just yeah. stop there. Um, yeah. Um, so you uh, moved back to Michigan after Master's Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, your best friend moved to another country, I think. Yeah. Got married, moved to another country. Um. And, you know, all of those things. And long story short, uh, I kind of moved around the country for a while, going to different schools. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. About the age of 20, 
five, decided I wanted to be a nurse, um, which I'm so glad I did. Um, you went back home and, and were a part of a church for a little bit, yeah? I was. I was. Um, I went to nursing school and I led worship um, for a church that my uncle started. Um, and I was there. I led worship for four years and um, lived again uh, under the microscope, I guess, and, you know, attempted to date a couple of, of guys, and um, they were wonderful, for the record, um, if they ever decide to listen, but um, just tried to basically um, comprise myself of all things that everyone else expected of me, mm. and tried to ignore everything that was screaming inside of me and, um, you know, just hope to let, like, you know, maybe I won't actually truly fall in love, but if I can have that perfect marriage and family, um, facade, at least nobody will know what I'm going through. And, Mm. and, you know, can I, can I keep that basically, um, was the, the biggest question for me in my head of, can I really do this and go through with this? And, um, eventually I realized that wasn't really an option. Um, and I applied for a job in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, as a neuro ICU nurse. I was a floor nurse on some random unit in Michigan and didn't, think I had a chance at getting this job and I did and it was honestly the saving grace for me um, to just get away where nobody knew me and to say I'm starting over and I can breathe like I, I, I could breathe for the very first time like I just remember getting to my apartment for the first night and just crying because I could actually breathe and thinking it's probably been 15 years since I felt like I could really breathe. Mm. And, um, and that was when I decided to, gosh, I hate the term reinvent yourself. It's so dumb. Oh, um, (laughs) feel free to not include that in the podcast, but, but, um, so you reinvented yourself to, to start over, to start over, to realize that, everything that I was holding on to so tightly um, maybe didn't some of it didn't even exist probably a lot of it didn't exist and to be willing to feel the pain and just start over hmm. yeah and so now you're in Nashville so now I'm in Nashville <laughs> seven almost eight years later and have you have you dated since then I have. Um, no, I mean like for real dated, not facade <laughs> dating, not dudes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I fell in love with somebody for the first time. Hmm. Um, what was that like? Here in Nashville. And it was, for lack of a better word, uh, stunning. Hmm. Um, because I knew, I knew then that nothing... Nobody else could ever um, tell me that being gay was a choice Mm. Um, because I felt love for the first time. And I knew that, um, A, I was not meant to be alone Mm. and B, 
that all of my worst fears years ago were true, but they were no longer fears Mm. and it was okay. And I had to absolutely drop everything and just let it go. And let me tell you as a control freak, that was not easy. Mm. Uh, But I did. And uh, just since then, I mean, it's (laughs) still in the process. It's seven years later, but um, just learning to, to, to feel things and to work through things and to not add uh, these securities that aren't real of trying to meet other people's expectations. Um, yeah, it's been a process. So but is, it, I would pray for anything. Hmm. So, so what does your faith look like right now? Um, do you have faith? Of course you absolutely. do. I, everyone, has, yeah. everybody has faith. everybody has faith. Everybody has faith, right? Cool. Um, it's funny. So, uh, <laughs> my dad, one thing that I still to this day hold on so tightly, he used to always tell me, um, don't ever let your view of God, um, change just because of other people's actions. He's separate from, from people. And I, I like what Ashton said, you know, it's, um, <laughs> We churches build these um, expectations and these, you know, just put out there almost cults of, okay, you can't marry somebody because they've been divorced. Why? Mm. Like, where does that come from? It's crazy. We're all human beings who deserve to be loved. And, um, but anyway, just sorry to go back. My dad said, don't, don't allow your, your view of God to be tainted basically by, by other people. And it's interesting now because, um, dad, I love you, but we don't have, uh, we don't have similar views on, um, homosexuality. Um, but that's something I still hold on to is I don't let anybody, not another single human being on the face of the earth touch. Hmm who my view of God is now. And that's because it's what I've been through. It's what, what he's spoken to me and not, um, any other added parts of what other people have decided to interject into my life because it's going to be tainted. It's going to be, it's going to have their, um, agenda written all over it Hmm. basically. Um, And so that's, I guess, kind of, I guess, the line that I try to walk. Hmm. Lauren, I I love that, uh, (laughs) just the way you articulated that last part, because I think for me, like, I still struggle to even, like, say the word God, because I'm so scared that I think what you said resonated a lot. You know, other people's words tainted that for me. Yeah, And I am not quite where you are. And it was just, it's really um, refreshing to hear your story and where you're at and the way that you phrase that. Because I think I'm still like, well, maybe if I just don't talk about it. It's like dipping <laughs> your toes are still there. Trust me, I have not gotten to the point where I'm like, oh, yeah, nobody else can touch me. I'm great. Say what you want to <laughs> say. And it's never going to affect me. No. It's a daily issue. I am... Um, 
very much so. There's in military, uh, Mark, which I think you were in the military, right? I was. Is that correct? The expectation management. Hmm. Does that ring a bell? It does. At all, uh, you know, preparing for what is going to be expected of you and not being caught off guard and um, meeting expectations of basically everybody else, especially your superiors. And um, I was so good at that. I was so good at that. Mm. And I still struggle with not doing that every day, but I've had to learn to step back and say, you know, um, you know, what, what is real to me because of what I've experienced and not what somebody else has told me that I should feel. Um, and that I guess maybe is, is, I don't know what I try to wake Hmm. up in the morning and and tell myself every day. Hmm. Lauren, I think it's really powerful that you've gone through what you have and that you've come out on the other end, having a faith, you know, and even, (laughs) even, um, being in the position you are, I, I think that's, I think that's beautiful because there's so many people who would be in your position and would just be angry. Mm. You know, they'd just be mad at church and they would be mad oh, at God that. and they would be, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you do. But, you know, the fact that you can reconcile that and still, um, you know, hold on to a faith, I think is really powerful. And I think as many people, you know, that maybe need to hear the story uh, that it's okay to ask questions about your faith, then, you know, mm-hmm. I think just as many people need to, to hear your story and say it's okay to still hold on to that faith, even when you're angry and even when you're uh, frustrated and even when there's a lot of unjust uh, things happening to you. And, and like, I just say the shame, I think you've, de- mm-hmm. like you've described is unjust, which mm-hmm. is extremely unjust. And so I think it's really cool that you, that you have that story. I, I mean, there was somebody that decided that they needed to take it upon themselves to tell my family about who, who they thought I was. And, um, you know, I can say that forgiveness isn't necessarily an issue that has long been gone, but it is um, something I have definitely struggled with. Um, and just I think that was the turning point for me that drew the line uh, that literally no human being was going to decide what my view of God was and what my view of my own personal value was to God um, other than myself because, man, people have so many opinions. <laughs> and yeah, they do. <laughs> so many opinions and and. They even sometimes um, decide to, to listen to your story, but I'm a nurse and uh, I've become good at reading people and I can tell when they're really listening or when they're half listening and they're ready to judge. And, you know, maybe I'm a little extra sensitive to that because of my position, but uh, Christians are, are still really good at having an opinion and really good at judging. and. I think maybe we've all experienced that pretty, pretty deeply. Um, but where we've the the place that we've come to now, um, maybe we're all at that point where we're we're pretty okay with where we're at, and maybe um, pretty unshakable overall. 
because of the process we've come through. Yeah, you know, I think the thing that brings us all together is this common ethos that I have, and that's, you know, I can interview a thousand people and have a thousand stories on here, but we all didn't ask to be born. Mm-hmm. And none of us asked for the hands that we were dealt, the circumstances that you're in, the life that you're living. None of us asked for this. Yeah. Um, for the family that you were given, no one asked for that. Um, but we all deserve complete and, and utter love. We all deserve Absolutely. to be loved beyond our identities, beyond our upbringings, beyond the things that we can't get beyond ourselves yeah um that's the thing that makes my story the same as yours and the same as ashlyn's and the same as julie's is that none of us asked to be born but we all are literally in this together we're making it work yeah (laughs) mark are you a christian (laughs) yes ashlyn Ashlyn. thanks buddy Mark, for this one second, I wish that you could put the video up of me cheering. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am a Christian. And you know why I'm a Christian? Uh, because I say I am. And I think the human yeah. that uh, I was before uh, would not like me as the Christian I am today. Um, I am fully inclusive every human on this earth deserves love every single one and if I have extra lumber and if I have extra money in my life I'm building my table bigger and not my fences higher and I am inviting everyone into my life so I can help feed them so I can help clothe them so I can give them the things that they need when they need and that's the kind of Christian that I am Um, Lauren, I heard you say, like, I got and I said my new apartment, I could breathe again. And A, I had the same feeling. And I remember, like, I <laughs> I just cried on my new apartment floor the first time I stayed there. Like, I was free, like, free. Yeah. And Ashlyn, I'm sure, like, I didn't get to hear your whole story, so I'm a little disappointed. Um, stupid technology. But, like, when you and your wife were able to, like, just being you chose to be together I'm sure you're able to breathe that you had that choice and like I'm just kind of curious and this is silly but like does anybody have like a moment like the first thing they did when they were free like what's the first thing you did you felt you breathed you were free and then like yeah it sounds so sappy but I think I just cried and drank a lot of wine and smiled a lot that was about it. I bought a box of cereal that my ex, <laughs> my ex refused to let me buy and was always like, oh, it's an expensive box of cereal. And I remember also getting a half gallon of milk and bought a bowl at Meyer. Like, what was wrong with me? Um, and I ate that fucking box of cereal yeah, in my car. <laughs> I love that. That's my favorite you the story. Whole box of cereal. <laughs> And I sat there till that motherfucker was gone. I went inside Meyer, 
I bought three more. And I oh my them. gosh! I you just like, became one of my new favorite people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh. I was like, well, what am I gonna do with this bowl now? It doesn't match. She anything. also immediately <laughs> became lactose intolerant and threw it yeah. all up in the parking yeah. lot at Meyer. Oh, you man. framed that shit. You kept that bowl and you framed it, right? Please I still have the bowl. Yeah. Good. Oh, at least you the have bowl. that. Hey friends, so this concludes part one of the two-part series, The Uncensored Christian, here on the Mark Explains podcast. Uh, Tune in. Actually, we are going to release part two next week, so a week from today. Make sure you tune in. We are going to release part two where we hear Julie's story, and uh, we also dive into uh, the reasons behind my deconstruction, Uh, and it will be a good one. I want to encourage you to... uh, tune in next week uh make sure you come back on and download those episodes it's going to be great thanks again for listening Uh, we love you guys and we'll uh, see you next week I hope the story doesn't make the podcast. It shouldn't make the podcast. But I came, we were on tour once. I was with Interface on tour. And I came back um, after like three months. And I just had like a reputation with the other guys in the program that I was like the dirty uncle. Like I was like, I would, I would. You, you know, do, take that as a compliment. I did. It was an yeah. honor. Like it was, the, you know, so like, so I came back. Uh, and like interface, we came back and the, you know, everyone was kind of waiting and like, cause no one had seen us in months and everyone's so close. And I go up to, and I'm like, I don't see any of the guys. Like there's just none of the guys around. So I go up to my apartment and all the lights are off. And then in an instant, this music like techno kicks on and there's like a giant penis costume. Uh, and there's like lights, like red lights all turn on and strobe lights. And it was like every, almost every dude in the program came to like have like a crazy naked dance party my whole world is turned upside down ashley i remember hearing about this celebrate my return oh yeah and i guarantee you that if you go into the apartment building uh what they bought that penis costume is still there it's hidden in an attic in one of the apartments (laughs) is it in like is it in b7 it's in b7 right it was b7 yeah Yeah. it's in b7 yeah it's there Mm-hmm. So if anyone well, that's I, listening to this that lives down in Fort Myers, go into B7 into the attic and look for the penis. Mm-hmm. It's there. Can I just say that I am not surprised? No, nobody's surprised. And Julie is shocked. <laughs> I thought your video was frozen, Julie, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. Can't believe it. You're just sitting and listening. <laughs> I was just like imagining...
a bunch of naked dudes dancing. Oh, oh yeah. No, it happened in my apartment. Was it was the like, B7 apartment. That's what it was. No, wait. These are future missionaries yeah. and pastors. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I think you my just... issue is this is getting cut, right? Sure. Yes, <laughs> definitely. I, I don't know that there's anything more gross than a flaccid penis. So, like, a bunch of <laughs> naked dudes. <laughs> I agree. Flaccid. Like, I like, I like uh... penis, but I don't like flaccid penis. And, like, it just, like, I'm just like, Oh that my was God. shocked. I was like <laughs> disgusted at the thought of Oh man, that's so funny. 